It's episode 97 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Let me take just a moment in this episode to highlight another brand that is doing it right. You probably all know about my love affair with Primally Pure at this point. I've talked about them on the show before many times, but I just want to give them a shout out once again. Over the past 100 episodes, we've talked about toxicity as a contributor to health issues so much and the importance of detoxifying every facet of your life. Skincare, of course, is one of the biggest areas to consider because our skin is our most absorbent and biggest organ. The good news is that it's also super easy to make the change thanks to Primally Pure. Primally Pure is an all-natural skincare company that uses only certified organic ingredients that can actually be found in nature. No harsh chemicals or additives. It's truly safe skincare. Their product line ranges from deodorant to body butters, cleansing oils to bath soaks, and even a baby line. I'm happy to say I've tried them all, literally every single one except for the baby line, obviously, and they all work fabulously and smell even better. If you've been on the hunt for a natural deodorant, and if you haven't, you should be. This is the last stop on your hunt, I promise. I was on a hunt for a long time. I found Primally Pure. I've been using it every single day for the past six years because it is the only one that actually works. There's lots of different flavors. I prefer alternating between the blue tansy and the charcoal. The charcoal is great for workouts. It's really strong. So I put that on before my workouts. And then the blue tansy just smells like girl. So when I want to smell pretty, I swipe on the blue tansy. This is also the place to go to switch to the oil cleansing method for your face, which you may or may not have heard about. If you haven't, they have a great blog post about it. You can check out. Oil cleansing is yet another thing I switched to years ago and so happy that I have Primally Pure to support me with that. My skin loves their cleansing oils and my tan skin really loves their body butters, which is what I used when I got back from Hawaii. Wanted to keep my Hawaiian tan as long as possible throughout the winter and I put on body butter every single night, put on my robe, let it sink in and it really actually helped. Support this female-owned and operated business and this episode of the podcast by heading to seanminer.com slash primallypure and use the code KETO, the number four women, for 10% off your order. Again, that's seanminer.com slash primallypure and use KETO for women for 10% off your order. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. We are doing it again, the third of the top five best of Keto for Women episodes over the past two years. We're taking it all the way back to number 14. It's actually really funny when I was going through these to decide which ones I wanted to include. I listened to a few of them, and it's been a while since I've listened to these ones from years ago now, and my voice has changed. I don't think it's because my voice has actually changed. I think it's just because I've become a better podcaster. I've become better in front of the mic. So you may notice I have a little bit higher pitch in this episode 14. It's gone now. I figured it out, but you'll notice it's a little bit different. In episode 14, we talked about the top 10 misconceptions of the ketogenic diet. Things like you have to fast, you have to eat tons of dairy, you cannot eat any fruit, things that Since episode 14, I've talked a lot about here on the Keto for Women show and debunked these myths again and again, but I thought it would be nice just to have this episode where it lists them all out, my top 10 misconceptions in one place you can remind yourself and see how you feel about these misconceptions and see if they're things you're actually believing and putting into your keto, and maybe you shouldn't. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved, 
unsolved for so long and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. All right, let's check out these top 10. Okay, finally, we can get on to our topic today, which is the top 10 keto misconceptions. Now, these are just my top 10. They may not be your top 10 or someone else in the ketogenic community's top 10. They're mine because these are the ones that I hear from ladies and basically all people as we talk about ketogenic diets. These are the ones that I hear. Well, don't I have to X, Y, Z, question mark? And I just can't believe some of these things that people really truly think they have to abide by if they're going to do a ketogenic diet. So I really wanted to talk about that and break it all down today. Hopefully we get through all 10. That's always the hardest part for me, as you guys all have noticed. I like to talk. So getting through all 10 in a list is going to be rather tough. But I want to start this conversation off by talking about last week's episode with Amy Berger a little bit more. I know I added a little bit of a disclaimer before that conversation, but I want to talk about it again, which is that we had a different opinion about how much fat someone should eat if they're trying to lose weight. And we talked about that a little bit, kind of went back and forth because we think different things. And that's totally okay. However, what I do want to remind everyone is that she is a low carb person. She's not a ketogenic person. So that is a very different topic because we're talking about the difference between still being a sugar burner and just altering your macros to do what works for you and altering your macros enough to the point of getting into a state of ketosis. Those are, again, very different. We've talked about that difference a lot over the past 14 episodes now. It's an important distinction because we're not talking the same language. So I just wanted to bring that topic up once again to make sure we are remembering that. However, I have just kind of a thought about it, and I I did get a really awesome comment about it that I did want to share because I think this is what a lot of people are struggling with right now, ladies out there trying to do keto and trying to figure it out, and this one really brought it home. So I want to read this real quickly. We'll have a discussion around it, and then it kind of brings us into these misconceptions. This is from Akambi. I hope I'm saying that right. She says, the episode with Amy Berger was my best so far. She said exactly what I have come to realize after doing keto for six months and gaining weight instead of losing. I adjusted my calories, macros, tried everything to no avail. However, when I cut back on the fat and increased my protein, I started losing weight again. I went from a 75 to 80% fat, 10 to 20% protein, and 5% carbs to a 60 to 65% fat, 25 to 28% protein, and 5% carbs, and that did the magic for me. And guess what? My ketone levels have remained the same. So I totally get what Amy Berger is saying but would like to emphasize that reducing fat should be for those that have already fat adapted. So thank you, Amy and Sean, for a great episode. Okay, I love this because I really couldn't have said it better myself. This is what I have been saying in all of these episodes when I'm trying to convey the message that you have to find what works for you. You have the power in all of this. It's your body Every single body is very different. For a combi, she can have more protein. Her body loves that. She's responding to that. She's probably enjoying her meals just as much. And this is the kicker. This is the important piece. Her ketone levels are exactly the same. That is one of the biggest points in this comment that I wanted to emphasize We really want to find what works for us as individuals, knowing every person is different, where you have the diet that you really want, so you enjoy your food, you feel really good, and you're also in ketosis and staying in ketosis on a regular basis. Because this is the Keto for Women show, I'm going to talk about being in ketosis because I think that's a really important thing for most women. That's why we're here. We want the benefits of producing ketones and everything that they do for us. So within that, if that's your goal, which for me personally, that is my goal. I want to 
produce ketones because I need them for my health and for how I feel and for what I want to do with my health in the future. And I also want to enjoy my food and enjoy my life and feel free around food, eat what I want to eat, love every meal I have. Those are my two criteria. I think for a lot of you, those are the same criteria too. You have those same criteria, but that doesn't mean that you have to follow the 10 rules of keto to do it. You just need to find what works for you. Now, the second piece of this that's really important is that she did say, which I 100% agree, and this is why I wanted to bring this up, she did say that this is for people that are already keto adapted. This is not something to tinker around with when you haven't produced ketones yet and you haven't gotten into this nice state of ketosis. And quite frankly, I would say you want to be in ketosis and doing more of this really high fat, low carb situation for about three to four weeks where you are consistently having this awesome level of ketone production. And then you can start tinkering around, finding what works for you, seeing what happens to your ketones when you switch things up a little bit, and go from there. And that's really your basis. That's where you decide. And even within fat-burning female, we get a lot of questions about like, well, what does moderate protein mean? Moderate protein is different for everybody. Moderate protein for me is going to be completely different from the guy walking down the street right now. It's just... It depends. It depends on a lot of factors, how your body responds to protein as far as blood sugar and insulin goes. Everyone is so different. So you have to determine that for yourself. And that's what I want to give you the power to do. And I think taking away these misconceptions that we are going to talk about today might help us do so. However, if you are someone that is still in that spot where you need to produce ketones, and you still need to figure out how to do so, then I would recommend sticking more with the very high fat side of things and keeping your protein maybe lower than you normally would, as well as those carbohydrates. And this is where having the high fat diet is the most important thing right now for these people, which is not something that Amy does or talks about or promotes or anything like that, which was why she had the answer last week that she did. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do so you know what we're talking about here. It's a great episode. But because we need that higher fat diet to signal our body to produce ketones, that is the connection there. So trying to lower your fat intake right now isn't going to be the way to go if you still need to produce a nice, awesome state of ketosis in your body and be there for a few weeks at least. That is something only to do when you have gotten to the level where Akambi is, where she's been six months, she's been in this awesome state of ketosis, and then she started tinkering and finding out what was working for her, having those same level of ketone reading while manipulating her protein and fat intake just just a tad. So I did want to talk about that and make it a little bit more clear on what it means to have a really high fat diet, why you're eating high fat, do you always need to eat high fat. I do think that you need to be at this really high fat state to get into ketosis because that's going to be the signal producer and then be there for three to four weeks then feel free to tinker, knowing that you still want to have this state of ketosis that you are currently in. Feel free to tinker with it. Find what you feel best doing, what produces those ketones, what allows you to eat what you want to eat so that you enjoy your meals. And it kind of becomes this little bit of a science experiment that you can do on yourself. And most of you will find that maybe, yeah, you can have a little bit less fat, a little bit more protein or less fat, more carbs, or less protein, more carbs, or more protein, less carbs. Keep your fat the same. A lot of you might find that you still need to eat really high fat because the second that you lower that fat, you stop producing ketones in the way that you want to do. That's going to be the case for a lot of women. But again, find that out for yourself instead of listening to me or that person or that person or that person. Find it out for yourself so that you know. Because I get so many comments about, oh, I'm doing everything right, but, and really you doing everything right is not following everything that we're going to talk about today, but instead doing you. That's when you're doing everything right. If you're 
following the rules and it's not going right, then you're not abiding by your body. You're not finding out your own information if you're going through the rules, especially as you move beyond the point of becoming a fat burner. So you go through that whole process, then you start having the ability to find it out for yourself, which I think is really great. So, okay, enough of that. Let's move on to these misconceptions. I think I can get through all 10 because I'm going to not expand on them too much. I think they speak for themselves for the most part. And I tried to put them in order of least important to most important, and I just couldn't do it because they're all so important. So this is in no particular order, the top 10 for Sean ketogenic misconceptions. Number one, when following a keto diet, you also must fast. Talked about this before. I do not believe that they go hand in hand. I actually really think a lot of women do better when they don't fast. Even if you're doing like an intermittent type fast where you just don't eat breakfast, a lot of people and a lot of women specifically do better when they do eat breakfast. It keeps their hunger very regular throughout the day. They feel very satisfied. They're in ketosis easier. They have the energy they're looking for and the brain power they're looking for and just everything that they want to feel, they actually don't feel until they stop fasting and start eating. So I really think that's something that should be considered for everyone. Probably every woman I've talked to that is fasting says she just isn't hungry in the morning. And I think that that's not necessarily a good thing. I think after fasting for 12, 13, 14 hours overnight, you should be hungry. It's normal for your body to be hungry. It's a sign of a good, healthy, strong metabolism and good function of your leptin and ghrelin signalers. So I I really don't think it's a great thing to not be hungry in the mornings. And it's often something where once you start adding breakfast, then you start regulating those hormone signals again, and you do start getting hungry for breakfast. And that's a great, that means your metabolism's kicking in. Those hormones are having their normal cyclical response that they should have, and you're good. So again, I will say this a million times over. I'm a huge fan of fasting. I think it is amazing and has so many useful purposes. However, I don't think that everyone has to. I don't think it's part of being keto. And I think that there are many, many people who aren't ready for it and who are adding that into their lifestyle too soon when their body is not ready for it, their hormones are not ready for it. All these things that we talk about here on Keto for Women, you're just not ready and you're trying to force it or trying to make it happen because you're supposed to when you're keto and it it doesn't work that way. Please just try if you are fasting and keto and you're not getting results or not feeling what you're looking to feel, seeing what you're trying to see, then try eating. Just try it. See what happens. You may love it and it may be exactly what you need to help you get those results you're looking for. Number two, When following a keto diet, you must keep your carbs at 20 grams. I don't know where this came from. There must be some sort of keto Bible out there where it says keto diet equals only eating 20 grams of carbs because the amount of questions and comments I get that say, I'm making sure I stick to my 20 grams of carbs allotted and this still isn't happening. It's weird. There is something out there that says that is the only way to do keto. And it is not true. You do not have to be only at 20 grams of carbs. Maybe what you need is more carbs to get into ketosis and feel really good. More than likely, what you need to do is not worry so much about the carbs and worry more about the level of fat you're eating. Don't just drop your carbs, but increase your fat. So I really think that even just the stress of trying to make sure you are at exactly 20 grams of carbs and no more is causing such a response that you're not going to get into ketosis because you're worried so much about your carb intake. I really think that if you just focus on getting your carbohydrates from lots of veggies and maybe some nuts and seeds, maybe some avocado for a while until you get into ketosis, you're good. I don't think you need to maniacally and meticulously track your carbohydrates to 20 grams like a lot of you women out there are doing right now. 
So just keep that in mind. Maybe give it a go. Maybe try not calculating net carbs. Maybe just do total carbs and find a different level that's not 20 grams. I'm pretty sure the 20 grams is net carbs. I sure hope it's not total. I'm not someone that counts net carbs at all. I just don't think that that math is necessary or beneficial in any way. I think you just go for total carbs and do it that way. And it makes life a whole lot easier. So maybe give that a try and see what happens and just let go of that 20 gram rule for a little bit. And I bet you'd probably get into ketosis a little quicker if you just relaxed around that a little bit and focus on just eating lots of veggies as your carbs. Number three, when following a keto diet, you aren't supposed to snack. So this was fascinating because I really didn't know that this was such a misconception in the keto community because I always snack. And then I put it on Instagram that I snack and what my snacks were. And I got such a response saying, oh, thank you so much for posting this. I was feeling bad for snacking or I was trying not to snack. And I really don't see the point in that at all. I think snacking is great. We're normal. If we want a snack, we can eat a snack. And I think it comes with this other kind of misconception thing within keto, which is that you're not supposed to be hungry. And that is just not true. Yes, your hunger changes, but you're still allowed to be hungry and it's still normal to be hungry and it's still normal to snack, especially if your snacks are fat-based, which mine absolutely 100% always are. My snacks usually are like 100% dark chocolate dipped in an a nut butter of some sort. That's my go-to right now. Or I'll have veggies dipped in my homemade ranch or mayo, something like that as a snack. Sometimes I'll have Jill's crackers, which are some pretty keto-friendly seed crack, nut and seed crackers with butter on top. I love that snack. It's one of my favorites. So I am all about everyone. If you want a snack, if you're hungry, or even just It sounds good to eat something at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. if you know you're not going to have dinner for another few hours, then go ahead and eat it. It's awesome. Snacks are great. They're really fun. They break up the day. They taste good. They're only helping your ketogenic state if they're fat-based. So go right ahead. And don't beat up on yourself if you're hungry for a snack by any means. I mean, the difference is we are hoping that when you get into ketosis and you start regulating your blood sugar, which again, not an immediate thing that happens just because you're in ketosis. It doesn't mean your blood sugar is all of a sudden fixed. You still have a lot of healing to do in that process, especially if you are someone who has hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia or insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome, diabetes, even reactive hypoglycemia for that matter. And if that is something that you're going through, it's not going to fix the day you get into ketosis. It takes a little bit of time. So be gentle with yourself. And if that means that you need a snack because you get hungry, then great. If you get hungry, it also might just mean that your prior meal wasn't big enough. Cool. Eat a snack. Now, if you get hungry and it's to the point where it's like, if I don't eat right now, I'm going to pass out or I'm going to bite the person next to me's head off because you're getting hangry, which is different than just being hungry. If you're getting hangry, then it likely means you're probably still working on becoming keto adapted, and you're probably not eating enough fat to do so. Because as soon as you add that ample amount of fat, you will not have that hangry signal any longer. And your blood sugar will automatically get started on that healing process. And you will just feel that little bit of edge taken off of your hungry, and you're good. Okay, number four, when following a keto diet, you must drink a bulletproof coffee or tea. So this is one where, again, I get a lot of women who say, well, I don't eat breakfast because I drink a bulletproof coffee. And I really am one, again, that thinks breakfast is something that should be chewed. Chew your breakfast, get that whole process started. It does signal a different response in your body besides just drinking a bunch of fat in your coffee. So a lot of women need that response to happen because we're trying to heal our metabolisms. We're trying to get that leptin and ghrelin signaling back to normal and it takes chewing some food. So yeah, I think Adding fat to your coffee is great because it does help increase your fat intake for the day. So I really do think, especially if you're someone that has a hard time adding the amount of fat that you're supposed to be adding to get into ketosis or feeling weird about the amount of fat you're adding, 
then putting that into your coffee and blending it up is a great kind of hack in order to get the amount of fat that you need to get into ketosis. But that doesn't mean that goes in place of breakfast. We still would probably, most of us, do well with adding a little bit of protein, a little bit more fat that you can actually chew. So I recommend, even if people don't have time or don't want to eat in the morning, I still recommend even having that bulletproof coffee and maybe adding in some hard-boiled eggs or a few strips of bacon or even maybe a little cup of chia seed pudding Add something in along with your bulletproof coffee, along with your fatty drink to make it a full, complete meal and something that's going to sustain you for several hours. And if you don't like putting fat in your coffee, then don't do it. I sometimes do. I sometimes don't. And regardless, if I don't, I just make sure that I'm eating more fat throughout the day, which I do very easily, maybe in my snack. Maybe I'll have a bigger fat-based snack at 3 p.m. or whenever I feel hungry in the middle of the day. But if you don't want to do it, don't feel like you have to do it. And if you do want to do it, try eating something as well. This episode, I want to highlight a brand I've been a fan of for a long time that I found fits very well into a ketogenic lifestyle. Fat fudge is a real ingredient performance food. It was originally created as a replacement for the sugar-laden goo packs that were being marketed to athletes for an energy boost. But we, of course, know that fat is a way better source of fuel, and so did Mary, the creator of fat fudge. Instead, she uses ingredients like tahini, grass-fed butter, turmeric, and maca to create a portable snack that provides lasting energy while also being anti-inflammatory and health-improving. I love having a packet of fat fudge before a workout or packing it to take on a hike. It really does give the energy boost you want that is fat-based instead of sugar-based. I always get questions about what to eat before a workout when you don't want to go fasted. This is the answer. Fat fudge has it, no question. To be totally honest, it's been a product I've loved for a long time, but I've been hesitant to share about it here because it does contain a little bit of real food sweetener like honey or coconut nectar, which some think are not keto approved. But the more I've been thinking, I just have really come to decide that it is super important to me to share here real keto-friendly foods that don't contain random crap ingredients or sugar-free sweeteners. They don't cause a blood sugar spike, but also won't keep you stuck on these sweet treats. And that is what fat fudge is. It is not a sweet treat. It is a performance food with just a hint of sweetness to trick your palate. I just see too many women these days relying on processed, quote-unquote, keto-friendly foods that are not doing them any favors. So I have made it my mission to provide as many other options as I can for all of us who need these convenience foods but don't want them to come from processed foods. It will be up to you to decide if this or any of the ones I suggest fit into your own keto framework. At 6 grams of total carbohydrates per pack, 4 of them coming from fiber and 2 coming from natural sugars like honey or coconut nectar, I would bet this will fit nicely into quite a few of your keto lifestyles. All fat fudge products are gluten-free, paleo, keto-friendly, and nut-free. Right now, their current options are original and vegan with more product variations on the way, including even a coffee-free version. The vegan option is dairy-free, so all of you including myself, who are dairy-free keto, have a great option there too. I do have to say, as someone who is extremely sensitive to caffeine, this is one of the ways I can get a little bit of a caffeine boost and not feel jittery or overwhelmed or anxious or any of the things that I normally experience with caffeine consumption. It's just enough without providing massive stimulation. Go help and support this self-funded female-run business and help support this episode of the podcast by heading to seanminer.com slash fatfudge, spelled P-H-A-T-F-U-D-G-E, and use code Sean for 10% off your order. That's seanminer.com slash fatfudge with a P-H, and use the coupon code Sean at checkout for a 10% discount. Okay, number five, when following a keto diet, you will immediately lose a bunch of weight. 
okay, this is probably honestly number one because the amount of comments and questions I get that say, I'm doing X, Y, Z, I'm doing everything right, I'm in ketosis, I've been in ketosis, and I've lost zero weight, or I've gained weight, or when's the weight loss going to happen? I think that those women, which I understand completely, those women read some things on websites that said, oh, I started keto and lost 20 pounds in a month. And then the next month I lost 10 pounds. And I now it's six months later and I'm down 100 pounds. There's a lot of stories of, like that. And I've talked about this before. And I get it because those are some amazing success stories. And those people needed to lose that weight in order to start their healing process. So it was that person's need for their body to lose that amount of weight in order to get their body healed. A lot of these people also came from pretty standard American crappy diets, to be honest, and probably years of that. And so just making the switch to where you're eating real food and maybe a little bit more vegetable than you ever have, just that. Taking out the carbs will do that, and that's part of their healing process. Those are the beginning steps of the healing process. Now, a lot of us have to go through the healing process before we start losing weight. So it's not always we lose weight because we start a new diet and don't worry about healing our bodies. You've got to heal your bodies. That's why I'm here. That's why this podcast is here. That's why my Fat Burning Female Project is in existence. I want to teach people how to heal their bodies and then see what happens with your weight. That has to come first. And it's not this surefire thing that just because you start producing ketones, all of a sudden your body's just going to whittle away to nothing and you'll be this supermodel. That's really not how it works. If you have excess weight on your body because of some sort of health issue and health response, please don't expect it to just magically disappear. And there are plenty of experts in the keto community that will tell you the exact same thing. There's a lot of people in my same position that have excess weight still and have been keto for years because they're still working on healing. And for me, when I first started keto a year ago, I think I lost maybe three or four pounds of water weight that I think probably eventually came back on. And then I didn't lose any weight at all for at least six months. And I wasn't frustrated. I didn't really expect that to happen because I wanted to heal and I knew I had so much more to heal beyond my weight. The reason I was keeping weight on was because of that healing process that needed to happen, not because I just needed to switch my diet and get into this magical state of ketosis and everything would be wonderful. I wanted to heal my body. That was the most important thing, and it took six months to do so before I started losing any weight, and I'm still quite a bit of weight over what I have always thought was my ideal body weight, but you know what? Maybe now this weight is my ideal body weight, and I'm cool with that because I'm getting healthy. I'm actually healthy for the first time probably ever, and that's what's really important to me at this point. So I just wanted to bring that up that it's not this immediate fix. It's not going to be this immediate thing. And I really honestly would love the conversation within the keto community, especially us keto for womeners. I would love for the conversation to be around something other than your weight. I would love to talk about something other than that. And there are so many questions. There's probably 50 questions in the queue ready for this podcast that are about weight. And that's why I did those two episodes a few ago. What was that? Number nine and 10 or 10 and 11 that were about other reasons why you're holding on to weight. And I want you to go back and listen to that if you're someone that's still not sure why they're not losing weight. Please go back and listen to those episodes so we can have a different conversation Number six, when following a keto diet, there is no room for vegetables because they have too many carbs. I've talked about this so many times. You guys know how I feel about this. I am 100% all about the veggies. I want more veggies in most people's keto diets. There's definitely just not enough vegetable consumption going on here. So I really would love a little bit less 
focus to be on the vegetables. Stop demonizing the vegetables. They are absolutely critical to your success on a healthy ketogenic diet. We need all the nutrients we can get. So load up your plate with vegetables. They are also the best way to get more fat into your diet because veggies are the best vehicle for fat. You can add more fat to your plate because you're adding more vegetables to your plate. So that means more salad dressing and butter or ghee or olive oil, just the list is endless, but it makes it a little bit easier when you just fill your plate with vegetables to add more fat and you'll probably get into ketosis and stay in ketosis even quicker and even better with that little hack. So let's please not be stingy on the veggies. Similar one, number seven here, when following a keto diet, never eat fruit. This is a one I've talked about it in previous episodes, but worth mentioning here quickly again. Similar to vegetables, they shouldn't be totally demonized. I think that there's room for fruit, especially the lower sugar fruits like berries and citrus fruits. There's room for fruit in your keto diet if that's what's going to make you happy. If fruit is like your favorite thing ever, then eat it. Then eat a piece of fruit here and there, and you'll probably stay in ketosis, especially if you're eating it along with some awesome fats. Like I know a huge staple for a lot of the women in the Fat-Burning Female Project is berries with coconut cream or heavy whipping cream, something like that. It's a great dessert that's very keto-friendly. So please don't think that you can never eat fruit again. You could even probably have some higher sugar, higher carb fruits, if it really, really sounds good, once in a while too, and you'll be just fine. I think, again, this is my whole thing about making keto a lifestyle and something you can do for a very, very long time is occasionally having those things that sound really, really good. So if having an apple and almond butter just would be the only snack, because now we can eat snacks again too, even though we're keto, the only snack that really sounds good to you, then have it and you'll be okay. You'll eat tons of fat the rest of the day and lots of veggies and all that stuff and you'll be just fine. So I just don't think that fruit needs to be totally 100% out forever. And that makes keto a little bit more doable. Number eight, when following a keto diet, eat lots of dairy. This is a big one I see where people, even people that were paleo, and not eating dairy, go into a ketogenic diet and all of a sudden eat all the dairy. And I actually did this myself too because it's a very easy way to get in some extra fat and it's delicious. And we've been told that we couldn't have it and then now we're told all of a sudden we can have it. But the thing with dairy is that there's a lot of people who don't tolerate it. And even if it's not a dairy intolerance to where, you know, you get bloated or gassy or have diarrhea after you eat dairy, even if you're not having these very obvious signs that you don't tolerate it, it doesn't mean your body is still okay with it. It could be something where it's just causing this immune response and your immune system is handling it every single time you eat dairy. And so you don't actually feel anything, but your body's working really hard every time you have that dairy in your system. So I really think, while I don't think it needs to be totally eliminated, I think you can have some high quality dairy every once in a while, or maybe there's some people that can do it all the time and they truly don't have a problem with it. I think if you are someone who is not getting the benefits from ketosis, maybe not seeing the results you're looking to see or feeling the results you're looking to feel, then taking a break from dairy is a really good idea. Eliminating dairy is a nice way to see how you actually do with dairy. It's very easy. Just eliminate it for four weeks, try adding it back in, and then see if you do feel any sort of change in your body when you add dairy back in. It may be like a headache or nausea. It could be digestive to where you're gassy or bloated or have a change in your bowel movements. Just notice it. Just see what happens. But you have to do that elimination for four weeks prior. 
I think that's a really good hack for a lot of people that are struggling a little bit with keto. I say cut out the dairy and see what happens. There's plenty of other ways to get fat in your day. I am about 95% dairy free and I have no problem getting all the fats that I need to get in order to get and stay in ketosis. So there's lots of different options there. Just give it a try, get a little bit more creative, make more dressings and sauces and mayos and things like that and see what happens. Number nine, when following a keto diet, magic happens after just a few weeks. This is kind of goes along with the whole, we automatically lose weight as soon as we're in ketosis. There is also this thing where people assume that when you're in ketosis, all of a sudden everything's fixed and wonderful and great and you have all this energy and this amazing brain power. There's no more brain fog. You feel like you're walking on clouds. You can go have these intense workouts again and not really need to sleep and your blood sugar is stabilized and all of your health issues are gone and just it's it is pretty magical i will say to produce ketones but it's not that magical it's a lot of times we expect that as soon as we produce ketones life is going to change so much and it really isn't like that our bodies are not designed to heal that quickly it's going to take a longer period of time and if you're someone who for instance is super tired all the time and you're looking for ketones to produce more energy for you and to make you feel more alive again. Don't expect that the day you start producing ketones, that's not going to happen, especially if you are someone who is tired because you have thyroid imbalances or adrenal imbalances or other hormone issues, then just getting into ketosis is not going to be the answer that's going to provide the energy you are looking for. It's often going to be much more than that. It's going to take more time. And this is really where I continue to say repeatedly over and over that we are getting into ketosis to heal. We are not getting into ketosis and all will just be well and will be healed. We are making this transition in order to start the healing process. That's the difference. So please don't get discouraged if you start producing ketones and you just think, oh, yes, life is going to be so different now. Most likely that's not going to be the case. You will hopefully start feeling small incremental changes as you continue, but don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen all at once. It's most likely not going to. Give yourself the time. Continue doing what you're doing. Get into ketosis. Stay there for an extended period of time and see how these changes happen slowly, but surely. And then there will be one day where you think back to where you were when you started and realize how much has changed. It's not going to be over the course of a day or a week or even a month. But if you continue on this journey and then think back to what you felt like before you started and then now six months later, how you feel I can guarantee you're going to feel quite a bit different. You really, really will, especially if you've taken that time to figure out your version of keto. Maybe not following these misconceptions that we've now debunked here, but finding what works for you and getting into that balanced place where you can produce ketones, feel really good, enjoy your food, but also have those macros that are best for you in that place. And that's where you come in. You get to decide that. Okay, number 10, when following a keto diet, you should also drop your calories. There are definitely people within the keto community telling you to do this and giving guides on how to do this and and books and whatever. And I just don't agree with this. I really just don't. I don't see, again, kind of going back to number nine, when we talk about how we are getting into ketosis to heal our bodies, that's just going to delay that. Yeah, it might produce some quote unquote results because I know we're talking about weight at this point. You might have some weight loss at the beginning because you cut your calories. So of course, you're going to have those results for the short term, but that is going to stall. That is not going to continue. You are not going to just keep losing, losing, losing until you get to your goal weight all of a sudden 50 pounds later. That's not how calorie counting and calorie restriction works. Eventually, your body will adjust your metabolism in order to maintain that level of energy that you are bringing in. 
It's a very short-term fix for what I know you all want as a long-term solution. We all want to find that thing in that way where we can just find and get to and stay at the ideal weight, at the weight that you feel really good at and do so effortlessly. But if you continue to go on a calorie-restricted diet, that's not going to happen. You are going to continue this yo-yo dieting cycle where then the only way to get out of it and to start seeing more results again is to lower your calories even further. So then now all of a sudden you're at like 900 calories instead of 1,200 calories. And that's just insanity. That's total insanity. And really the way to get to this effortless, quote unquote, ideal weight is to heal the reason why you have excess weight in the first place. You have to heal that. And getting into ketosis and finding that out will get you there. But you're going to be delaying that process even further if you go calorie-restricted keto. So I'd rather you go more just normal, nutrient-dense, eating the appropriate amount of food for you keto in order to start the healing process, eat enough food, and feel really good along the way. And then expect to see results when your body's ready, when your body's healed and feels really good and is balanced and healthy and has all the nutrients it needs to thrive. Now, I know I talk about this a lot. This is kind of one of the major themes of this entire show that I will continue to talk about a lot. But I do get the response, well, what does that mean? When you say eat enough food, what does enough food mean? And I'm just going to put it out there. I do not like calorie counting. I think you all know that about me. I really think that that is just really daunting and hard. And again, anything that we could do that makes food more of a math equation than just eating to enjoy and nourish your body is something I want to steer away from. So I do not like calorie counting. I will tell you that in the Fat Burning Female Project, we eat the right amount of food for women that want to heal their bodies. So Fat Burning Female Project will provide you with that amount of food that is the minimum for any and all women looking to get into this place of healing and get you into ketosis. Now, I know not every woman will be in the Fat Burning Female Project, although I hope most of you do get in at some point. I will say that I have found the best place for women to be to heal their bodies and then see weight loss if you need weight loss is going to be around 2,000 calories. Now, I don't think this has a ton of room for lowering unless I would say you are a woman who is incredibly sedentary. Like if you are someone that goes straight from bed to sit in their car, to sit at, the, at your desk, to sit at your car, then to sit in front of the TV, if you're constantly sitting all day long and you are not active whatsoever, ever, then you could probably lower it to maybe 1,800 or so. However, I think most of us are at least somewhat active. We're at least taking walks with our dog or maybe going to yoga or even just have an active job. If that's the case, then you need to keep it around that 2,000 level. If you are someone that is more active than that, if you go and work out at moderate to high intensity, three, four, five days a week, you're going to need more than that. So this is the baseline. And, you know, I absolutely hate putting numbers on it, but I also know that there are women that aren't going to do the course that need this information and that hopefully this will help people start eating enough food. This is hugely important. You have to eat enough food. Now, again, your macros can be different based on you, like we talked about in the beginning, but it is going to be a lot more fat towards the beginning when you are going through keto adaptation, but then you have the ability to manipulate that if you want to and find something that works better for you if you're not seeing what you want to see. The other thing I will say about talking about calories is that I also don't think, and really I guess talking about macros too, I really, really don't think that every day needs to be exactly the same. You don't always have to be at exactly 2,000 calories. If some days you're higher some days maybe you're a little lower, that's fine. Just this is your general guideline. But if you're someone that uses MyFitnessPal or something else to track your food, it becomes 
like this thing where you have to have these exact numbers every single day. And that's just not life. That's not real. So definitely don't feel like it has to be the same thing every single day. I definitely don't eat anywhere near the same thing every day. Honestly, sometimes I eat a lot more. Some days I eat a little less. Usually it depends on my workout for that day and just how hungry I am after that workout. I just go by my hunger cues. It's really that easy. If you're going by your hunger cues, you're going to understand. And for a lot of us, if you've been in that place where you have calorie restricted and dieted in the past, your hunger cues might be really off. And so that's going to take some time too to really start building and understanding again, which is another reason why I'm sharing this information about actual numbers, because it may take some effort to get to that level of food at the start, but it will get easier. You will start building up your hormone signaling again, and you will have that normal hunger full signal for sure. But again, I am a huge fan of not being so strict that you feel like you need to eat the same exact amount of fat, protein, carbs, calories every single day. You can definitely be a lot more fluid with that. Of course, your fat intake is going to stay high, your carb intake is going to stay low, and your calories are going to stay enough to sustain you and energize your day and get you through the day and provide that fuel that we so desperately need and those nutrients that we so desperately need if we want to be truly healthy women. Okay, that was a little bit of a tangent. You can see I'm very passionate about that subject. That's why I saved it for last. But we got through all 10. I'm super excited. I hope that clarified some of these things for you. I hope now it will give you a little bit more freedom to find what works for you, to take away some of the rules, to eat when you want to eat, to get enough food, to have breakfast when you want to have breakfast, to have lots of awesome vegetables on every single day, have some fruit too, and just do it. Just do it as your lifestyle. Make it something you can sustain for the long term and you'll love it so much and you'll be able to have the benefits of ketones for a long period of time. Okay, that's going to wrap up this episode today. Thank you everyone for listening. I will be back next week. Have a good one. 